This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Every new year, we get obsessed with how to change ourselves instead of just expanding on what we're already doing right. Maybe you finally organized one part of your space and you want to tackle another. Or maybe you're taking your supplements every morning and now you want to actually eat breakfast too. Therapy can also help you build on what's working by helping you find your strengths so that you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that really stick. I know firsthand how helpful it can be to learn positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. Therapy isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Celebrate the progress that you've already made. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Curiosities today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Curiosities. Welcome to Aaron Menke's Cabinet of Curiosities, a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild. Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. A lot of great accomplishments have come out of compromises. The Magna Carta is a powerful example. Drafted in the year 1215, the document made a compromise between King John and his barons, setting the stage for many elements of the modern democratic process. Marriage is another of those moments of compromise. What else are the vows of the bride and groom but a promise to work hard and stay together, no matter the cost? Two sides coming together to set aside differences and work together building something that's better than the two individual pieces. Clearly, when we compromise, we can make great things. But compromise didn't look possible when the players arrived at Fenway Park back on September 11th of 1918. It was Game 5 of the World Series, and after a long season and a lot of hard work, the Red Sox were feeling pretty proud of their accomplishment. So proud, it seems, that they wanted more. Specifically, they wanted a bigger payday for their championship games. For context, the entire payroll for the Red Sox organization that year was around $90,000, roughly $1.5 million in modern dollars. Last year, their payroll was over $182 million, so it might be fair to agree that the 1918 Red Sox were a bit underpaid. Justified or not, the team discussed it amongst themselves and decided that if their owner, Harry Frazee, didn't pony up a little extra dough, they weren't going to take the field. And with a little over 10,000 people waiting in the stands, dozens of whom were wounded World War I veterans, there was a lot of pressure to make a decision quickly. It took about an hour, but finally the players and Frazee came up with a compromise. No, they wouldn't get a pay raise for their performance that day but they would take a moment to honor those veterans. And how would they do it? With a song, of course. Frazee approached the band that played at each of the games and leaned in toward the musicians. There was a brief conversation, and then the men nodded in agreement. A moment later, the notes of a song rang out, and everyone in attendance stood up and took off their hats. At first, the people there just listened, 
hypnotized by the beauty of it all. Slowly, though, more and more of the military service members began to sing along, and others followed them. By the time the last verse came around, the entire crowd was bellowing out the words as best they could. All to the tune of an old British bar song about getting drunk and flirting with the ladies, which might sound right if you've ever been to a baseball game. Except those weren't the words the crowd was singing. No, the song had been used in America for nearly a century before that day with a whole new set of lyrics. A poem, really, written by a guy named Francis Scott Key. It wouldn't be until 1931 when the Star-Spangled Banner would be recognized as the official national anthem. But at that game on September 11th of 1918, it became a fixture of another American institution. Baseball. You see, in the years that followed, and inspired by the impact the song had on the audience that day, Frazee had it played before each and every Red Sox game, and in the process, started a tradition that's still taking place today in a wide assortment of sporting events. Yes, the Star-Spangled Banner is a wonderful way to honor our military before each game, but it's important to remember that it almost didn't happen at all. Today, it's an essential part of the ballpark experience, And yet in 1918, it was nothing more than a bit of compromise, a way to get the players out of the dugout and onto the field. And in the end, though, it's also a reminder of an even older baseball tradition, arguing about money. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Does sleeping hot keep you up at night? Meet the Lisa Chill Collection. These cooling mattresses work like magic with a cool-to-the-touch cover, zoned springs, and comfy foam layers. Say goodbye to restless nights and wake up refreshed. Lisa's Chill Mattresses beat the heat with ultra-cool covers that whisk away heat so you always sleep just right. These hybrids blend up to 1,032 breathable springs and plush foams for the ultimate cooling and comfort. And the Chill Collection doesn't just feel great, it looks great too with thoughtful design and pillowy quilt tops. No matter your budget, Lisa has a chill mattress for you. For a limited time, save up to $460 on chill mattresses and get two free pillows. 
iHeart listeners can save an extra $50 off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com forward slash iHeart. With Lisa, your purchase has purpose. Every year, Lisa donates thousands of mattresses to those in need. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Everyone put a lot of hope in Patrick. His father was a young widower, having lost his wife just a few years into their marriage. And Patrick was the only boy among his siblings, which, at the time, meant that there was a lot of pressure on him. Thankfully, he showed all the potential of living up to that hope. He was a gifted artist, producing paintings and illustrations that blew his peers away and wowed his friends and family. And he had a way with words that most kids just didn't, which led to poems and stories that hinted at an underlying genius, just waiting to burst forth and conquer the world. Patrick's father, though, didn't earn a lot of money, and he knew, as a single parent looking at his large family, that there was honestly just no chance he'd be able to give all of them a push out into the world. In fact, it would take all his resources, plus the efforts of the rest of the kids, to send Patrick off to college. But they somehow managed. Art school was supposed to be the key that would unlock Patrick's genius, but not long after arriving, he was headed home. There's even rumor that he didn't even attend classes, but instead tried his hand at teaching others how to paint. And not only that, but the process had used up all of the funds his family had worked so hard to give him. Their one great hope dashed on the rocks of failure. After that, he got a local job tutoring others, but it allowed him a lot of time to socialize. Which was good, Patrick was an outgoing guy, and he happened to live in an area that was frequented by an artistic crowd. Musicians, writers, artists, all of them rubbing shoulders together in the same space. And he was right there among them. Sometimes he would even show them his most recent work, and they loved it all. It had to have honestly been incredibly encouraging to stand in front of his heroes and have them praise his work and consider him a peer. It's easy to imagine how his family felt about it all, too. Sure, art school hadn't panned out, and the boy had lost all their money, but he was starting to get the attention of big players in the art world, so maybe all their efforts had been worth it after all. But it sadly wouldn't be. Aside from a few pieces that got published in small-time magazines, Patrick just couldn't seem to get his career off the ground, And that frustration and despair started to creep in and rot his drive and his hope from the inside out. Alcohol and drugs became his escape. When he lost his teaching job, he was forced to move back home with his father and siblings. Not long after, he got a job as an administrative assistant at the local public transit. No, it wasn't an artistic job, but it paid real money. And that could have provided a boost to his efforts in the publishing world if he treated the job with respect. Instead, he used it as an opportunity to steal. After all, having access to the accounting system made it easy for him, and over his short time there, he managed to siphon off about $1,500. When he got caught, though, the price was even higher. He lost the job entirely. Sadly, Patrick's story doesn't end well for him. After all those attempts to make it big and fight the currents of failure, he got sick. His father did the best to care for him, but at the young age of just 31, Patrick passed away, and in doing so, he took all the hope his father and sisters had placed on his shoulders with him. 
They were left to make the most of their own poor existence, each of them leaning on the same hobby their brother had, writing. And amazingly, despite their challenges and social obstacles, each of them succeeded. In fact, each of them wrote and published entire novels of their own. Anne wrote a book called Agnes Grey, while her sister Emily became known for her own story, one she called Wuthering Heights. And their other sister, Charlotte, might have written the most famous of them all, Jane Eyre. Patrick might not have lived up to the hope and hype his family placed on him, but we can all be thankful that his sisters far surpassed it all to become literary legends. The Brontes. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious. Thank you.